Well, hi, Ray Fulcher. What's up? How you doing, Nicole? Good. How are you? First, thank you so much for doing this. It's very nice. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be doing it. I'm out here in old, in uh, San Jose, California. We're on different coasts, right? We are. And you originally were like, oh, well, we could do it at 11 a.m. Um, your time. I was like, you're yeah. going to get up that early? I said, no, no, no. I said, and thank you for that because I got in late last night. And so it gave me a chance to wake up and be like, do I want to get out of bed yet? And I didn't. So wait, so, what are you doing in San Jose? I am doing a radio show tonight. Oh, uh, awesome. You have this really cool kind of parallel story of mm -hmm. music and sports, which weirdly yeah. enough is what this podcast is. We and so when Natalie was like, can you do a couple episodes without me? And I was like, fine. And I was thinking of people who to have on. And I'm like, wait, we have no country stars that have been on yet. You came to Philly last year. You were our only interview in two years. You came, flew in. <laughs> It was right before my birthday. I remember that you were just awesome. And then when I was like doing research on you, I found out that you wrote literally one of my favorite songs of all time, which is Love It On You. And I was like, oh my God, who is this guy? And then when I interviewed you, we have this like crazy sports background. And then yeah. the Eagles went and draft, we're going to get into all this, drafted yeah. their two biggest drafts were from Georgia, which is your whole identity. And I was right. like, this is perfect for the podcast. Stars align. Right? Right? <laughs> um, all right. So let's just do like the fundamentals, right? Because obviously sure. people get, let people know who you are. So sure. you're obviously from Georgia, but like talk a little bit about where you grew up. And then I don't know, what do you want to do first? Do you want to talk about your music or you want to talk about sports? I guess we can give them the foundation with music kind of quick. Okay. So we fun, really fun stuff. <laughs> so I, I grew up in Harlem, Georgia, which is a tiny little town outside of Augusta. Really growing up, I mean, life was basically three things for me. It was football, well, a combination of these three things, football and baseball, sports, hunting and fishing with my dad and country music. But it was not country music, not anything that I did growing up. It was just I loved it so much. Yeah, it was just like a and part of your world. I played sports. I was pretty good at it growing up and stuff, but I loved Georgia football. So when I, I got time for me to go to college, I, I didn't know that I would get into Georgia, but I did. And scariest thing, one of the scariest things I've ever done because I didn't know anybody. And then I went to Athens. How far is Athens from where you grew up? It's an hour and a half. But when okay. you're from our little bitty rural town like me, an hour and a half felt like a long ways, you know? No, I mean, I grew up, so I'm in Philly now, obviously, but I, the town I grew up in is called Summit Hill. And it's literally two hours from Philly. And mm -hmm. my town's so small that we don't even have traffic lights. We just have stop signs. <laughs> we Once have the one traffic So I guess yeah. I got you. Yeah, uh, I went to Catholic school my whole life, but I just, it was kind of one of those things. Obviously, a lot of people where I grew up went to Penn State. That was like the huge thing, right? But I was just always obsessed with entertainment and music, and I just wanted to go to the city, yeah. and that's kind of how, but I, so I totally get it. Everybody that I knew growing up was white and Catholic, and so I was like, take me to the city and give me, like, I want to learn the world. Yeah, you know, it was, I mean, I was so scared going to Georgia, but I got there, and We'll get to kind of the music thing in a minute, but I knew that I almost went to play baseball in college. I didn't do that because I want to go to Georgia. So you uh, were about, good, but you were like division three good. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I want to go to Georgia. So yeah, I had to do that. And about six months in there, I was like, you know what? I can't play for the, like one of my ultimate dreams would be to play football in Georgia. I can't do that. You know, God gives people certain things and that was not <laughs> yeah. a thing that got given. But I was like, I bet there's a way I can, 
work for the team, me just being totally like naive about how it works or whatever. Yeah. So wait, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Did you see the interview that Shaq just did? It was like yesterday or the day before. And he was asked about why he wasn't a good foul shooter. And he said it was God's way of keeping me humble. Like God only gives everybody certain things. And like yes. you just said that. And I was like, that makes total sense. Unless you're Jack Johnson. <laughs> pro surfer, pro music person. But anyway, I did the, the super naive thing. And so I, there was a, there's the football complex at Georgia. So I literally one day after class, I go, I'm just going to walk in and like, see if they're taking app- applicants for whatever, anything to work with the football team. Yeah. I walk in and the front desk lady, her name's Tammy Mettenberger. I still keep in touch with her today. She didn't know me at the time. I go, Hey, I'm Ray Fulcher. I just, you know, I was seeing if about getting a job with the football team. And you got to know Tammy to know how funny this is. But she just goes, All right, Ray Fulcher. So you're telling me you're just walking into the football complex asking for a job. Is that right? I go, Oh, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's about it. I'm telling you, like the way things align is, is weird. She goes, About this time, the head at the time, the late Dave Allen walked in and kind of walking from lunch through the thing, standing there talking to Tammy. And Tammy goes, hey, this guy just walks in, thinks he can get a job here. What do you got to say about that? And then Dave goes, actually, I just had to fire one of my guys. So I got an opening. And, and then Tammy goes, why don't you interview him? And he goes, come on down, let's interview. So right then and there, I go down to the football locker room. I left there an hour later with this job working for the football team. And it started out just me being like a manager. And then it turned into over the next six years, I, I turned into a grad assistant and then I worked for the foot. I worked uh, with the quarterbacks. I was like coach Bobo's right-hand man. And all because I just walked in there. Wow. So I grew up as a huge fan, but then I was actually in within the program for uh, six years because I stayed and they, they wound up paying for a master's degree and, and all that. And so it was Georgia football was ingrained in me before. And also I was a huge, huge Atlanta Braves fan. And, but after being in the thing for six years, it's like part of my identity now, you know, so. Yeah, and obviously it would it was probably amazing because there's a lot of people, you know, it's the whole saying, like, don't meet your idol. Right. Because a lot of times you can be disappointed. But in mm-hmm. your case, you and saying like Georgia football was your idol. But basically, like right. it was it yeah. was it ended up being probably better than you could have imagined. Yeah, it was also I mean, you know, just like any because it was when I say job I and mean, we would go to class from you know, eight in the morning till two. And then I would be at football complex till nine every night. So like to, you know, for me being 19 at the time, like, man, it was, a, it was a lot, but yeah, you know, it was for me, it was, man, I don't want to be doing nothing else. You yeah. know? So I get and actually, well, you know, I it think, was awesome. I think I, I get it because I did radio in college. Right. So like I yeah. interned and then I was on the promo crew and you were, I would get paid to work for five hours, but I would be there for 10, but it never felt like a job. Right. Like I just loved it. And I also, I say a lot, like, I feel very blessed and I'm sure you feel the same way that, that you get to like, do what you love. Like so many people don't get to do that. That's why, like, I definitely believe in whatever people believe in God, the universe. I mean, the higher power of like, it just was weird how it works out. It really yeah. is. So wait, what yeah. was your major that when you went into college? Like, did you have, so, was, was music on your radar at all? No. You so, like technically could have went into coaching. Yeah. So that's what I was going to do. I, I, yeah. got, I have a master's in education, which meant that I was just going to, if I didn't stay on and try to, and try to like do something more kind of on staff, you know, cause I was a student worker. Right. And when you're, when you're done with your master's, it's like, can't do that anymore so I was either gonna try to stay on staff in some way at Georgia whether it was in recruiting or in the in the coaching side of it or whatever or 
I was going to be a, a history teacher and football coach because I love history. And that's literally what I was going to, what I was going to do. I mean, I had it all really honestly planned out to the point where I knew when I got done and moved back home, like I would have a job. Very Friday night lights. Right. You know, I was okay with that and uh, not even okay. I mean, that was just what I wanted to do. Yeah. And the thing for me that kind of changed everything was another chance thing that I, some of my buddies were come from home to see this concert of this guy that was, I mean, six, 700 people, not a big concert. And uh, probably my junior year of college, I mean, I'm almost done with my undergraduate degree. They came up and were at, they, they like drove me to this show. Not that I didn't want to go to the show. I just like, didn't know who it was. And yeah. also was t- really tired from work and stuff. And, but they were like, you're going to love this guy. So come with us. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll go. With you. Went in and it was a guy at the time that had one song on the radio. And it was Eric Church. Wow. And that night. But it was something about the passion in his show and like his songs that opened this new door for me that I was like, because I love country music. I never heard these kind of songs. It's like he, and, it's, like, it's like he took you to church. Yeah. I <laughs> and I remember after one song, I remember going, literally having the thought, I remember standing there going, everybody else is drinking and having a good time. And I'm just standing there just like having this life altering moment where I was like, man, I, to be moved this much by what he's doing, I have to try to do that. I have to. And so. But did you play instruments growing up? Not till the very next week when I bought a guitar. That is so insane. That is crazy, right? You know how crazy that is. You know, at first it's, you don't go, oh, I'm going to be on that stage. At first you just go, man, I, I want to learn to play guitar now. Like right. maybe sing songs. And then that happens and you go, well, maybe I can do like an open mic. Then it's like, well, maybe I can write a song. Maybe I can play my home show. And then next thing you know, you're going, man, maybe I should move to Nashville. It's like, it just builds on itself. It builds. You know? Yeah, uh, that's cool. It was like a slow burn. That's where the dream started for me. And so when I got finished with college, I was kind of playing some shows around Athens about a year after that. And when I say shows, I mean, little small stuff. But how and, did you know that you could sing? Well, I could, you know, I mean, I just... I really could. I mean, I'm so much better now than I was then. You know, it was. Um, I think you're being humble because I think you're either black. Like, I am very tone deaf. I cannot sing. I love right. music. Like, I'm obsessed with music, but I can't sing a lick. And I just think right. that I guess it was just, again, meant to be that you just like had that natural ability and then you like built on it with. Right. Kinda, yeah, that's what I just kind of felt it, you know, and, and just I would pay attention to when other people were singing and playing, like, what do they do? You know, how can yeah, I get yeah. better? So I made the decision after my graduate degree finished to move back home. But then I had this decision to make. I had been playing shows. I had been, this like dream was put in my heart. And I also loved, still loved this other thing, like football and coaching and the thought of that. Right. But I remember my principal from my high school, pretty soon after I moved back home, calling and offered me a job. Basically was like, all right, be assistant football coach, baseball coach, history department, you know, what we say. And I know that he thought that I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. But I remember him, I need a couple of days to think about it. And those days were like some of the most angsty of my whole life. Cause I was like, I felt like I was at this crossroads where, cause I knew if I took teaching job, music would only ever be a hobby because yeah. I just knew I got in that career. It'd be hard to get out. But I also knew on the other side of it that, I'd be giving up this whole other dream if I went and chased this thing. But I just remember having a moment where I actually called him back when, in my mind going, I'm going to take this job. Like, it's crazy. I've been in school for this long. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Use it. And then I remember calling him and it just came out and I just was like, uh, I can't. 
take, I can't take this job because I know, and I don't remember the exact words I used then, but basically what I meant was I can't take this job because I can't put my whole heart into it. And I got some other stuff to figure out over here. And until I figure that out, I can't. That job offer in, your, in our school like, deserves more respect than that. So I got to go figure this out. And for me, figuring that out was kind of doubling down on the music thing and going, I got to take this as far as it goes or I'll never forgive myself. Yeah. So for the next couple of years, I, I sold cars. Which I have. Did you? Were you still in your hometown at this point or did you go back? Oh, I was okay. in my hometown selling cars, playing shows on the weekends, doing anything I could do. I mean, I had a, you talking about humble pie. I mean, I was, I was on a car lot 60, 70 hours a week and I had a master's degree in education sitting at home, you know? And so but Again, it was not- I get it because I graduated with a bachelor of science in communication with a minor in sociology and worked as a receptionist from nine to five to do all my radio yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I, I would literally work nine to five and then I would do nights and weekends. I would drive two hours to a really small town in Lancaster and then drive back. So like totally get it. And how was your parents through all this? Were they supportive? They were supportive, but skeptical. So okay. like, okay, are you sure? Yeah. We'll do whatever you want. We want you to do what you want to do, but are you sure? Yeah. Kind of thing. And then I made the decision. I remember one day on the car lot, it's kind of a, another one of those decisions that I was just like, what am I doing? You know, I'm either, I'm either, I need to do this do that this kind of in-between thing is kind of run its course and so one single question I remember asking myself I try to make it simple and I was just was like okay can I me at the time being 21 or 22 or sorry I stayed for my master's so 24 <laughs> can I wake up at 40 years old one day and wonder what if if I'm okay with that then I need to take this job at home and yeah. do that but if I'm not okay with that that's all I need to know yeah so it was literally that day where I made the decision that's what I'm doing. It took me a year to kind of figure out all the how to move and where to move and all that. So in that period of time, I worked selling gym memberships. And so, but that was the day I decided I owe it to myself to go see. And even if, because for me, even if I, even if I fell on my face in like 10 days in, I was like, I'm not cut out for this or like, I'm not good enough or I, I failed. Even if I go there and fail, that was way better than I could live with that. I couldn't live with not trying. A hundred percent. And again, when I graduated from college, I moved to Dallas, Texas and worked for 1061 Kiss FM as assistant promotion director. And I hated promotions. I hated Dallas, but I don't regret it at all. I moved back after a year. Do you know what I mean? But like, if I never went, I always talk about regret and I'm like, there's no point of regret because you literally can't change it. So like, why are you going to beat yourself up for something? Like you said, even if it didn't work out, you're never going to beat yourself up about it because you're always going to be like, well, I tried it. And now I'm like moving on to something else. So, yeah. You know, what's crazy. I moved. I just thought about this. I moved to Nashville eight years ago today. Wow. Today. Today. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's a short amount of time, though, to when you think about eight years only and you've accomplished a lot in eight years. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely blessed and thankful. And I mean, thank God I met Luke Combs early on, you know, and we we hit it off. And, you know, just to give everybody, I guess, kind of the, the music overview so we can dive more into sports is, yeah, I met Luke three days, three days after I moved to town. Where did you meet he, him? Another great story. Uh, May the 12th, 2014. Okay. Moved to Nashville, didn't know a soul. Scariest thing I ever did. Scariest thing I ever did. And, but I saw on Twitter that this other guy whose music that I kind of liked was also moving to town the same day. Okay. So I just hit him on, hey, I don't know a soul. I see you're moving too. Maybe we can be friends or whatever. And he goes, dude, I don't know anybody either. Let's definitely be friends. So 
three days later was my birthday. So my birthday's in three days. Ooh, and on the 15th of your birthday? Mm-hmm. Fun. So, Happy birthday. Thank you. Where are you going to be on your birthday? Back in Nashville. Okay. So three days later, I call, I texted him. and was like, you want to do something for my birthday or whatever? He goes, yeah, let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings. So that's not <laughs> a plug for Wild Wings. I do love Buffalo Wild Wings, but I digress. We're sitting there. We're having a beer at the bar at Buffalo Wild Wings. And he, he pulls out his phone and goes, hey, I forgot there's a guy coming to stay on my couch who is moving to town, but he's not moved yet, but he's in town recording some songs. And we need to finish this beer up and go over. And, and if you want, come hang out over at the apartment. I go, sure. I don't know anybody. So I walked in and there's this big fellow on the couch, cargo shorts and Crocs with a Waylon Jennings t-shirt on. And I remember being like, hey, I'm Ray Fulcher. And he's like, what's up? I'm Luke Combs. And at the time, that didn't mean anything. You know I mean? He yeah. hit him down yet. But Luke's hero is also here at church. And so that's how we bonded. And we literally had that, we're going down these songs lists, like, oh man, what about these boots? Dude, what about lightning? And like all these songs. And then we had that moment in Step Brothers where you go like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> hey, we just best friends. That happened. And he, when he, so when he moved back in that September, when he actually moved, we kind of hit the ground running and started writing and, and have not stopped. And at this point, I think Luke and I have, he's recorded 18 of our songs that we've, that we've uh, written and four of those have been number one hits. He's got a new album coming that I've got some on and then, you know, but which has been awesome. And then that led to me getting cuts with other people, Zach Brown and Riley Green, and Jake Owen, but I moved to town to be the artist. And so right. I never really lost sight of people. Were you writing on your own when you were back home and you were selling the cars? Cause this is why I'm always so fascinated. When you write a song, were you writing then? Or what was that process? I didn't know what co-writing was. And I, yeah, when I say I wrote, I had written five or six songs by the time I moved to Nashville, but I didn't really know how, how to truly go about that process. I was just guessing and checking. And there were some songs in there that probably weren't terrible, you know, but I didn't, you know, a much better writer now is a much better writer a year and moving to Nashville. I was trying, but I knew I needed to get to Nashville because that's, I knew I'd heard of co-writing and I knew that like, if you want to do the writing thing, if you want to really be an artist, you got to be there. You got to yeah. be doing things. And so, you know, but I moved to town to be the artist. And so even with the songwriting success and, and the things that have changed my life throughout it, I never lost sight of the reason that I came and that was to be the guy on stage. And so I kept eating my home pie and going and playing one songs as a writer and was able to buy a house and was able to like just stay at home and write if I wanted to. I was, me and my band were going across the country to maybe lose money on a show for 50 people. And like we were doing all that stuff. And then finally that part paid off in 2021, 20, early in the year, I got a, I got a record deal with Black River Entertainment, had some kind of other offers and stuff, but this is the one that my heart really felt good about. And so, and now, yeah, I have a song kind of rocking at radio, doing its thing. And, you know, and I have my debut album coming out June 10th, which is crazy, you know, less than a month now. And so exciting. Hey, the guy moved eight years ago, thinking about a, a record label putting out a debut album on me and I'll have a song, you know, at radio, it ain't top 10 or top 20 right now, but it's got a chance to like do its thing and, just having that opportunity is awesome and it's doing well, but you know, me being able to put out an album is just a dream come true. And it feels like a lot of, and so much time and work and effort went into it. The good news is it's just kind of, we're already halfway done writing the second one, you know? So we're, wow. We're okay. So yeah. let me ask you this. So, because you released some songs on your album over time, and then you are now they're all going to be on the album. So 
explain that process a little bit for people who, was yep. there songs that you had from five years ago that you were saving? Yeah, there's going to be, there's 17 songs on my album. Yeah, which seven, is a lot. Uh, but seven of them will have already been out at some point. And I think it's important for a debut album to have some some familiarity on there. So the EP from the fall, that those five songs will be on there. And then a song that I put out in 2020 will be on there. And then one I put out in 2019 will be on there because they're kind of part of what I want. I think the first album should be a complete first chapter. And without those songs, I don't think it would be. But also I didn't want to cut cut out like having seven songs on there that have already been out and only putting five more on there doesn't feel complete to me. And that's why 17 songs. It wasn't until we landed on these that it felt like a complete first chapter. And so yeah, and I said to you, what is your favorite? And you said, right. they're all my babies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a couple on there that are, you kind of get blinded, rose colored glasses on, on the brand new ones, but there are a couple brand new ones on there. There's one called After the Rain that I think is special. That's so good. After the Thank Rain. So I always say I'm kind of weird because I am a rhythm person, not necessarily huh? a lyric person. And it's so funny. And when I interviewed you last year, and obviously it was, this was way longer and we can kind of get more into things, but like loving on you, the first time I heard that song, it was when he performed it on SNL. And I was like, this is is the first listen hit. And, and I think it's hilarious. There's a term in radio for people listening that don't know. And it's called when a song gets burnt, you hear it so much. I've probably listened to that song 700 million times. And I still Love it. It's still on my playlist. I'm still, I am at the gym and I am like doing my workout. And it's hilarious because the song has no meaning to me. When you talk about duck blinds, like all this stuff, I was, I don't even know what it, I mean, I know what it is now because I work in country, but I'm like, so I sing these songs and I just laugh because I'm like, this is literally one of my favorite songs of all time, but I don't even know what the hell I'm singing. (laughs) Right. But it sounds so good. Anything Like You, which is a song that you also have on this album. That's such a fun, makes you want to dance. It has a sexiness to it. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. And I think that your album, because obviously I listened to it because I'm going to sneak peek. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I like the fact that you did, because this is what I say. Country music is so cool. There's like the rock side of country. And then it's that soulful side of country. Right. right? And you have a mix. So you have some songs that have a soul to them, like that white boy swag. And then other songs, rock songs. And that's what Eric Church does. Eric Church has a soulfulness about him, but then he also rocks out and that's why i was so drawn to it because like i love the soulfulness of it and you have a really good mix on your album thank you i think what i loved about and it's done in a totally different way but what i love why i fell in love with their church's music is when i do in that first record it's got those big rock songs like before she does but then also songs like lightning that literally made me contemplate my whole life and i go I had never felt that from one artist where you go, where I have this thing over here that makes me want to run through a brick wall. But then over here, this thing that's so deep and so provocative that like thought provoking. Yeah. On the same album. And I was, I had never experienced that. And so in my own way, I hope to have done that sonically, you know, in my own way, obviously not the same songs and they don't sound the same, but the same, hopefully it puts you in the same place, you know, because that's what, that's what moves me. So after the rain is like that soulfulness, but then compliment is more that upbeat dancey, which is really fun. And it is just funny because I'm like, I never want to discount these writers who take so much time, like actually write lyrics 
And some lyrics stick out to me. Uh, future ex-mother-in-law is just such a oh, yeah. fun lyric that yeah. just really sticks out. Yeah, I remember right now. You come across those every once in a while and you go, man, I've never heard that. That's going to be one that people can't wait to like back, you know. So when you write a song, are you writing it in on piece of paper? Are you doing it on your phone? Are you writing no, a lot of time, thoughts or do you write it? Like what did it talk about that a little bit now just for efficiency? I used to take my laptop to every right, pull it out and all this yeah. stuff. All these the phones are like little computers. All my ideas right here and then in my notes. And then also I keep just like as I'm writing a song, you just almost it almost looks like you're texting. You know, I just pick it up and. As we're finishing a line, I'm just writing and I'm doing this now and you can't really see, but I was doing that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, th that's that's where I do it just for efficiency's sake. And that way I've always got my right tablet with me. And then when you go in, do you have an idea of like, is the song going to be an upbeat song? Is the song going to be a ballad? Is it going to have horns? Like, where does that process you know, come in? Sometimes you'll go in, depending on if you're writing with another artist or depending on if I have a certain thing in my head that day that I need to get out. You kind of know like the feel of it. A lot of times I just, we just, I just let the day do what it's supposed to do. And like, we'll, we'll go through ideas and like leave it room to kind of do what it wants to do as far as the song and, and whatever everybody's feeling that day in the room. And then later on comes the, comes kind of the, the ideas. On that. Yeah. We'll, I mean, we're playing on acoustic guitar. Yeah. yeah. Later on comes the, at, towards the end of the song and even after it comes the idea of like, Hey, here's what it would sound like with a band. When someone goes in and record it, man, this horns would be cool here this big steel section or it's just rock and roll guitar whatever yeah. it is that usually comes later but given the tension in a trying to like fit whatever in a box like in the right room is really dangerous and and hard to do a lot of times i go in there and just go i may have an idea that, like i really want to write but if the other people in the room like either it's not really just clicking with them or it's not they're not as inspired by it as i am then we'll just find something else that we all are and then i'll just save that Okay. So that was my question. Is that like, you're in a room, it's you, it's Luke, it's, you kind of have this posse now where you like hunt turkeys and like write hits, right? Right. <laughs> and so like, is there any ever, I don't want to say fights, but is there any, any arguments where you're like, it needs to be this. And then they're like, well, I don't like that. Like, how does that work? They're not arguments. They are sometimes it will be like, man, I don't, I think, I think it, it's something different or man, we need to keep digging on that. And then somebody will go, dude, well, I think it's right. At some point, someone, quote unquote, wins by going, here's why I think this. And then here's why I think that. And usually at some point, the other person will go, you're right. Let's keep digging. Or uh, you're right. I'm overthinking it. That's right. And so it's, it's all part of the process. But nobody. There's no fist fights. You're just talking it out, you know. Yeah. All right. So, one more question about and then we're going to get into sports. But I'm curious yeah. of like when you decide what songs make the album and what songs is going to be a single? Is that just you? Are you working with your label? Are you working with your manager? Who's coming up with that decision? Basically me, my manager, producer, and a label. It doesn't mean that, and I guess me and the label have the final say. I like to kind of do things by committee. It really, for me, is just a, a gut thing. And I also, at the same time, on this first album, I think it's, it's game changers for me. I really believe that. At the same time, I didn't put every single great song that I had for me on it because I wanted to leave room to kind of keep growing and leveling up. And so yeah. really trying to fit those those chess pieces together, like, and you don't know for years from now if you played the right pieces, but trying to put all those together is really, if I don't do it in my gut, I, I'll, it'll drive me crazy. So I'll just live with, I'll 
kind of go, what if, if it was these songs, can I live with that? Yeah. I had, um, when I worked before, before country, I worked in top 40 and I was very fortunate that I interviewed Ed Sheeran a bunch of times. And obviously he's an amazing songwriter. And he said a lot of times, like there's songs that I've written like six years ago that just didn't fit right now. So like, yeah. keep them. or like, you think it's a ballad and we get into the studio and it ends up being like a more upbeat song. Like when you're a writer, you just have all these songs and these ideas. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said, it, I like the chess piece. That's like a really good, did you say the name of the album? Spray Painted Line comes yeah. out. So why did you decide that? We were thinking about racking our brains on what should the title be. One day I just had this epiphany and I was thinking about these outside the box ideas. And I go, what if it's just the first line of the first song? And that's just what we do forever. It's no rhyme or reason. Then I figured out, oh, there is a rhyme or reason for this. So it's the first line of the first song which is all gas, no brakes, which is already out. But the first line says spray painted line on the Western Main Street up to that night, my 85 had never been beat. And so the spray painted line in the, in the story of the song is a starting line for a race. Very grease lightning of you. Yeah. <laughs> so a debut album is the same thing. It's just yeah. the start. This I love that. New, and so spray painted line really just means like it's slang for the start of the race kind of thing in that yeah. song and, and in like my career. So. And you did a really cool thing in Nashville with a billboard. House the uh, track listing on a billboard. So we were telling people so that it was cool. coming, know where or how. And then, yeah, I kind of told people where it's at and then took some pictures of it. But yeah, we, we announced that the track listing on a billboard, which is, you know, we're just trying to be creative in 2022. Yeah. How long is it up for? Do you know? It was up for a week. So it's, it's gone wow. now. You're performing in Atlantic City, which is awesome. You're coming to Title Fest. I was supposed to see you perform with Luke at MSG and I got fucking COVID and I'm yeah. still so pissed about that. I mean, obviously you perform at XTU. It wasn't on a stage. It wasn't like the whole thing. And I love Luke and I was like super excited about it. And then, yeah, got COVID after Thanksgiving. So I was so pissed about that. So this is exciting. So you're going to be at Tidal Wave. Do you know what day you're going to be there yet? I don't. I will let you know, though. I need to look and see what day I'll be there. Yeah. Have you been to Atlantic City before? I have not. Oh, no. well, giddy up, giddy up, cowboy. Welcome, yeah. welcome to the Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a lot of this podcast, we talk a lot about, we're very into mental health here and you have a foundation that deals with, yeah. can you talk about your foundation really quick before we go into, cause it has to do with athletes and musicians, right? Yeah. It's called pretty good ball. And really what it is, is two things. It kind of, there's a kind of pool of money that musicians and songwriters can go to anonymously and, and use for, for some, uh, you know, for therapy, mental health. Um, but also the biggest thing for me is it's, it's kind of set up to take the stigma away from the conversation and open yeah. it up and kind of the message is like two things can be true at once, right? You can still be tough and write country songs and drink beer and like be all these things that we're, that we feel like we have to be and still go, Hey man, something's, something's wrong. Something's going on with me. To be honest, our industry kind of breeds that. It's such a no town. It's such a make you feel like you're not good enough town. And that, that wears on you. Yeah. And because of being on the road so much and all this stuff, relationships are really hard. And so next thing, no, it can lead to one. It's an issue in our industry that, that I felt like needed to be talked about more. So Yeah, it's amazing. Give the Instagram of the and the name of the foundation. So it's called prettygoodball.com is where, where you can yeah. go to it. Pretty good ball. That comes from a lyric of my uh, of one of my other songs, and it just and it really just means like, hey, I don't plan, I don't, I don't pretend to know everything about it. I'm not an expert. I'm not ever going to be the guy who's like, you know, I'll never be a leader in that field, but I'm going to do what I can. So like, we're not damn good, but we're pretty good. So yeah. playing pretty good. 
gone to. So, you know, it's just interesting because when you brought it up, it's like anybody who gets a physical ailment, you know, you break your arm, yeah. you tear a ligament. The first thing you do is go to the doctor, go to the surgeon. And the fact that mental health has never been really addressed, no. especially for men, especially for men. And it's why, I mean, we're not, I don't want to get like super deep and make it depressing, but I think it's important to talk about the fact, you know, violence is so much more prevalent in men because like they don't, they were never encouraged to be able to feel their emotions. The whole, like, don't cry like a girl. It's like, no, crying actually is a biological thing that you're that helps you release anger and release tension and release it is okay you're supposed to feel angry you're supposed to feel sad you're supposed to it's okay to feel whatever yeah yeah whatever you need to feel yeah yeah you know and that's again why music is so amazing too because it gives people the outlet to feel yeah all right so let's talk about sports so what was it like to have both of your teams win championships within a year obviously the braves won i don't want to talk about it because you know phillies but yeah congratulations Um, i was very happy i was happy for the braves because they haven't won in forever atlanta deserved it like you know, no, I, I felt it. And then obviously I have a really funny story too, about, about Luke Bryan and Georgia. So talk about the feeling and then I'll tell you the quick story. And then we're going to talk about the draft picks. Yeah, it was incredible. So I, it was like this crazy to have both of them in a year. I mean, after so much heartbreak for so long and so much angst and like, yes, 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 we get it. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, you know, the Braves come in there and win it. Drew Parker and I actually went to game six in Houston. They got to went, see him win it. Yeah. Might nice having connection. Nice being a rock star that you can just right. dig in. <laughs> I ain't afraid to cry because me and Drew shed a tear out there that day in Houston. Oh, watching I, that. Think about, I, I think I said when you were talking about crying and I was like, and I said this to you, I was like, when I think of the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, like I still get, that was still almost, scared. <laughs> it still get it. I still tear up about it. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, that was incredible in itself. And then Georgia was just having this magical season and then they go and lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game. And you feel this like kind of, man, here we go again. Will we ever get over the hump? Mm-hmm. And they got into the playoff and beat Michigan. And then here comes the rematch with Alabama. You know, Alabama's up in the third quarter. The dogs came back and scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to beat them by 15. Yeah. For that to happen. The you, way were it, you at the game? Were you at that game? No, I, was, I wasn't able. I was with Luke, actually. I wasn't able to be at the game. Um, we had a prior commitment, but I, we, me and Luke got to watch the whole game together. Yeah. I cried. He almost cried because I was emotional. And then he, uh, but for it to happen that way and, and to slay our dragon, which is Alabama, after 40 something, 40 years since they won it and been so close so many times, like beating in overtime in the national championship, beating in the last second in the SEC championship game, which would have put them in the title game in 2012, going down the line, all these things. And then for it to finally happen, against Darth Vader, basically, which is you know, yeah. Alabama. Man, it was awesome. You know, what's hard, though, for me is, man, they both did it in one year, and it's like I feel like I can't ask anything else from the sports gods ever again, I feel like. And uh, I'm having a hard time not feeling like, oh, we're going to come back down to earth this year. But here's the thing. I think Kirby's thing is set up for the – Georgia is set up for the long haul. They, are, they have recruited so well, and they're set up to be good for a long time. The Braves are kind of middling right now, but they got Ronald Cooney back. They're around 500, but I think they're showing signs of 
here soon taking a, a leap forward. So I feel you. Sometimes I get mad at the sports gods because I feel exactly the same. I mean, I'm, or my family's a huge Penn State family, even though I didn't go there. My parents went there. My brother didn't go there either. But my brother played football in college, but he was you where he was good enough for D3. So he went and played, yeah. played football in college. I just feel obviously the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It was amazing. And, you know, they stood on front of the art museum steps and Doug Peterson was, this is the new norm. And all hell broke loose after that. Literally no one's there anymore. The coach is gone. The quarterback's gone. Like the Carson Wentz fall from grace. ESPN needs like a 30 for 30 on that because it's insane how he's like the MVP. And now he, whatever, he's going to start in Washington. It's wild. And so I don't know. I don't know why the sports gods love some people more than others. I don't know. know. The really funny story about Georgia was that, so we were doing our St. Jude telethon, which is really big into country music. And so Luke Bryan was calling in and Raz, who, you know, and our APD, Charlie was like, Nicole, you have six minutes with Luke. That's it. Six minutes. And they, you know, cause I'm obviously a chatty Kathy and I was like, okay, I'm a professional. And they're like, do you want to set a timer? Luke calls. He's like, Hey, it's Luke. We're talking about St. Jude and he's in Vegas. And, um, and I'm like watching the counter and I see it's at four minutes and 30 seconds. Obviously I had, it was right after you guys lost to Alabama SEC championship game. So I go, so I said, you know, obviously I feel sorry for your loss with Georgia. I was, I'm really rooting for you guys this year. I'm like, I'm a Penn state fan, but like, they're not going to go anywhere. So I love when a team that hasn't done it forever wins. When I tell you that he turned into this couch coach, it was like another level of his brain went off and he goes off. He's like, they're not playing defense. And I like try not to laugh. And as I see like the ticker go from like six minutes to seven minutes and he's going off about all the issues. And I was like, Oh my God, everybody's going to get be mad at me. Cause I'm on the phone with them for like, and I'm like, he wouldn't stop. And I'm like, I'm not cutting him off. He's so upset right now. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. so funny. That's awesome. Yeah. It was so great. So before we talk about the draft, you're also super into golf. Are you good or you just like it? I'm a, above the below below the upper okay, okay. i'm not terrible i'm okay. not bad but i would not like i think a good golfer goes out and, and like pretty i think a good golfers to the point where they pretty much they have an idea of like there's very few of those shots where they're like what was that what just happened all right i still have a few of them and so until i can get those out of my system i wouldn't say i'm good but i'm like maybe a little above average okay but i mean 80 you know I, i'll shoot in the 80s usually i feel like Golf is such an interesting phenomenon because when you see basketball, baseball, obviously football, there's this pure organic athletic ability that these humans need to have to be elite, right? With golf, there's no rhyme or reason. You look at a golfer and you're like, why are you good at this? It's just weird. Just elite high uh, hand coordination. And it's so much of it. So much of it is about mechanics. Yeah. And little tiny little things that like and and golf is one of those things you cannot be good at it, really truly good at it without putting some time into it. And guys just have elite, like I said, elite hand eye coordination. And they also just, you know, those little tiny movements they just, you know, perfected. But you look at some of them and you're like, how are you not an insurance salesman? Yeah. And I always think, I don't know. I mean, I golfed a couple of times. I'm not terrible. I'm not good by any means, but there's no cheering. There's no defense. All the good stuff that I love about sports, they don't have. The defense is the trees 
and good like point, good point. Yeah. of the defense. Yeah. <laughs> There's a really funny meme that says golf was invented because men are too insecure to ask each other to go for a walk. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Was golf a part of your growing up since you grew up near Augusta? Was the Masters no, a I mean, big deal? The Masters obviously is a huge deal growing up, but I didn't play golf till I got in college. Okay. It's just okay. In sports and being a teenager and stuff, you know? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about the draft. So obviously the Eagles drafted the first, their big, massive, massive drafts this year was from Georgia. I mean, obviously you follow it, but are you still in it? Do you know, are you talking to people at the team? Yeah. So I have a couple, I have uh, several connects still there that, you know, I kind of get kind of on the inside. And so even though I'm not there with the guys, friends with these guys like I was before when I worked for the team, still definitely connected to them. And I'm going to tell you, you got two freaking elite players. The fact that y'all got Nicobe Dean, and the, you basically got two first-round picks. Because right. That okay, dude so fought- obviously the people who don't know about Nicobe, he – which is – it's pretty controversial because we don't know for sure exactly how hurt he is. And so – there's a big chance that rumors could have screwed up his ability to go in the first round. Yeah. I mean, he was projected top 15 pick and then all the kind of like those rumors started. Here's the thing. There's some teams that weren't willing to go. We're going to spend this draft pick on a guy who might have to get surgery and not play till 23. I get that. But this dude is elite. I mean, helps off that like he's not straight line, super fast, but, and I say not super fast. He's in the, probably the low four fives, which is great for a middle linebacker. But the number one pick from Georgia that, that went to Jacksonville is 272 pounds and ran a four, one, uh, four five one. So when you look at it like that, but his his ball skills and like his side-to-side quickness and his ability to – his instincts and his ability to read a play are in the 11 out of 10. That guy is like – gonna that guy's going to play in the league for 15 years. Yeah, it's, I mean, linebackers have been a really huge thing with Philly. Is that been years since they got a linebacker in the first or second round of the draft? They never really made it a priority. And then the season would start and it would be such an obvious hole that we oh, needed yeah. when we scooped him up. And it's like, if this works out and he doesn't need surgery, but even if he does sit a year and comes back, it's not necessarily going to change his football intelligence, his ability, right? Like it's his shoulder. It's not his leg, right? You might just lose having him for this year. Yeah. He will, there's no chance he's not the same player after it, though. Yeah. It's just like one of those – it's not even a thing that's a super serious injury. It's just a nagging thing. And right. so it's a thing that will just get worse over time unless you fix it kind of thing. Right. Okay, so obviously Jordan Davis, which is a hilarious for us because we're like, wow, we have two – we have Jordan Davis in country music, big, and now we got Jordan Davis on the Eagles. Big jolly teddy bear. Yeah, everybody said that he's, like, super close to his mom, that his mom's moving yeah. with him to Philly. And he – like, what are your thoughts? you think that he has the potential to be better than they think? Or I know people were, uh, like, really worried about, like, his ability to be conditioned. I think they picked – I think he got picked about the right time, you know, mid-first round. I think he's a game-changer. I think the big step for him is going to be going from being able to play every – like a few more plays instead of playing first and second down and coming out on third down. Yeah. Being able to that point where he can play on that third down. But I'm telling you, with that guy on the line, they ain't running on y'all. Right. Because that dude's a freak. And his his ability to take up two blockers all the time is like to free up those linebackers, Kobe, for instance. Something I've never seen at Georgia. I mean, the guy is just a game changer. I mean, and I'm not just saying that about because he's a Georgia guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm ape on this dude. He's the real freaking deal. Yeah, I'm excited. I thought it was great. I thought that it, I think that like when you as a player, for me, it's the intangibles, right? And 
JJ Reddick, who I love, who played for the Sixers, has this really great podcast called The Old Man and the Three. He had an interview with Draymond Green, and they were talking about how like a lot of these scouts will go for how fast you run the 40 and what you can bench press, but it's the intangibles that make people great. And it's just like in music, sports, and yeah. that's why we started this podcast because there's so many similarities. The, oh, it, yeah. the it, it really boils down to the it factor. It boils down to those things that you can't put your finger on, right? Like I say this about Luke Combs all the time. When you look at Luke Combs, it looks like he should be working at a car shop. And when he gets on stage, Ed Sheeran is the same way. When he gets on stage, you can't take your eyes off of him. And I think with sports, it's so similar. It's like you could be fast, you could be strong, but it's that thing that you can't really put your finger on. And I get that vibe, especially from Nicobe. I get that vibe from him. I get that vibe that it's like he has that thing that it's just that extra little Eh, that like you can't that a tape might not show but you just have to just like it, feel it just it, it factor yeah, yeah it's real the it factor is a real real mm-hmm. thing the certain like i always there's a certain juju that these teams have that and you even said it with georgia right like there's just some, there's just like something different when you when you see a team and you can't necessarily explain it you know you can look at the statistics of how passing yardage or yeah that's a real thing yeah, you know? and it's like kind of what you said about songs, like where you were just like, I kind of just feel it in my gut if it's yeah. gonna if I want to do it or not. Oh, yeah, you know? no, yeah. Are you into any pro teams? Obviously well, the Braves, but like, Braves. are you into the Falcons? You know what? I, I'm so, I'm just much more of a college football fan than I am. Actually, I'm a, I'm an NFL fan. I'm much more of a much more of a Georgia fan than I am a Falcons fan. Got but it. yes, okay. I, I, I loosely follow the Falcons, but you only got so much energy to go around. A yeah. lot of that good. So, and what about basketball? Are you in the NBA? Um, I like college basketball. Not really NBA guy. Not right. have anything. Not again. My bandwidth is such where I just I've never gotten into it really. And I know the players, and I appreciate it, and I can actually talk about it because I see the highlights and like I I kind of know what's going on. That's just not something that I personally invest in. Yeah, I'm definitely more of a football person too. I love football. I just grew up with it. And, um, but my dad, weirdly enough, was a basketball coach. Like I follow basketball and I'm into it, but there's something too stressful about basketball for me. Makes my anxiety worse. I could watch a football game and and be like, and then I'll like check the app and then I'll like go back and I'll be like, okay, it's just, I could talk to you for another hour, but I'm not going to keep you any longer. So tell everybody where they could find you, where you're going to be like, what if people are like out and about this summer, obviously you're going to be in like city, but people that don't are in Philly, listen to the podcast. I've been in a lot of places this summer kind of doing uh, fair and festival stuff. And that's all on my website, rayfulturemusic.com. And then you can find me on Instagram at rayfulturemusic, Facebook. It's all, all this stuff, same TikTok. Uh, yeah, you're pretty and, funny on TikTok. You're good at TikTok. I try to be. Stop with the ideas yourself or do you have people that help you? Yeah, those on the fly, the funny ones. Yeah, you're pretty uh, good at TikTok. My debut album comes out June the 10th. You can pre-save it, pre-order it now. I'm super excited for it and uh, it's good it's real and i'm not just saying that because we know each other but it's very very yeah. good i think it's such a cool like i said it's such a cool eclectic mix of yeah. like soul and rock and it, there's a lot of like if you're like really into country there's like a lot of country songs but there's, there's also yeah. songs like right because you have those people xt is a perfect example where it's been on the air for almost 40 years so you have those old school people that are like this new music isn't country and i'm like right. i love it right so like you have some of like the pop country songs but then you have some like country country songs yeah yeah 
So I'm excited for what people people think about yeah. it. See what people think. Um, how tired do you get being, I mean, you're all over the place all the time. Do you thrive off of being on the road or how often are you even home? I get tired, but it's kind of like anything, just kind of get in shape. Yeah. You know what I mean? My tank was empty when I got here last night. So I just know, okay, go back and get straight to bed. Be fine yeah. more. You know, you just got to take care of yourself. I'm not the best always doing that, but I know my limits and I know like I do get tired, but I usually can find those little, that one day in the week where I go, all right, I ain't even set that alarm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just to catch up kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, there was just an interview with, um, obviously Jack Harlow's huge right now. And, uh, he gave up drinking and they were like, well, did you have a problem? And he said, no. And he's like, thanks for asking it, that I had a problem. He's like, people think I had a drinking problem. He's like, no, but I'm just hungry. And I know that yeah. my career I'm on this trajectory and I want to be like on it. And I want to take yeah. myself to the next level. And I feel, and I'm like, God, he's 24 <laughs> and he's able to see that. But it's basically what you said. It's just knowing your limits and knowing yourself and like what you can and yeah. can't do. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's like about what finding that kind of inner thing when, when you don't really want to do something, you know? So yeah, that's, that's always the hardest. It's like, all right, yeah. come on. All right. Have a good show tonight. Happy birthday, by the way. That's very fun. And thank you. Nicole. I've enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, me too. The fact that you're a tidal wave is like so fun. That's gonna we'll be awesome. coming back to the area for the fall. So, oh, with who? I mean, I, we're trying to set up a bunch of stuff. All right. So. Yeah. You haven't done anything on the East Coast. You're all ooh, Midwest. I know. Stuff. I know. I need to come back and see you. I know. Um, <laughs> have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. All right. See y'all. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.